If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Say Things, episode 124, sponsored by our beautiful friends at Manscaped. Let me tell you a little something about Manscaped. Uh, they're the. I'm mean, actually usually I don't read the blurbs that uh, these sponsors send, but Manscaped does a really good job <laughs> of writing them out. So I'm just going to read it as it is. Manscaped, the leaders who are the leaders in male grooming, their fourth generation performance package absolutely changed the grooming game along with a refined body wash to round out your hygiene routine. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped for their shower time routine by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code we say things. So for the people that don't know much about Manscaped, if you listen to any podcast, they they support a lot of esports podcasts as well, which is great. Um, essentially, if you guys like to groom the uh, first of all, whether you like to do it or not shouldn't matter. You should groom <laughs> uh, your testicular area, let's just call it. Uh, that's that's what I like to call mine, at least. Uh, then it's a good idea to get a product that is specifically made for that. Because I've actually used, said this before, but I've used a regular shaver for my face and then went down to the testicle area and actually cut myself, Cinderin, a long time ago. That's really not good. And That's very unwise of you. There's still a scar down there. I won't lie. <laughs> oh. So what I did was I just wouldn't send groom. Me a picture? I just wouldn't groom for years because... You know, I was just afraid. And then a jungle appeared out of nowhere, and then, you know, nobody's happy with that. But Manscaped, they, they give us, you know, all their products, and they work great if they're specially made for that kind of stuff. And actually, this one right here, this is a new body wash that they came out with. It's great stuff. Uh, I mean, just in the box itself, Nikki, my girlfriend, Picked up the box after it was delivered. He's like, oh, this smells good. You could literally smell it through the fucking box, for God's sake. So good shit here. So go ahead. Finish us off. But she still let you have it after. That's right. She could have kept it in her room. Well, it does say Manscaped on it. She knows that it's for me. Oh. It's reserved. Oh. That was the only giveaway. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I got to say as well, especially the trimmer was really nice. Um, I think... So like you said, overall, just having something dedicated is really nice. I will say in my experience with it, it's very, like compared to other trimmers that you just use in general, this one has like, it's a lot more basically gentle. It's really nice and easy to use. Um, a little detail as well, depending on which shower you guys have, um, it does have a little bit of a little light on it, which I think a lot of shavers also don't, which is kind of nice, a little bit of an extra thing. So if you've even thought about shaving in a darker shower, uh, if you have a bathroom that isn't so well lit in there. So it's pretty nice. Yeah, I've been happy with it too, I gotta say. So check it out and subscribe. Yeah. So remember, you get 20% off and free shipping if you use the code we say things. Thank you to Manscaped for sponsoring us. Uh, and obviously, if you guys, 
if you're in need of something like that, then don't forget to put in the code because it helps us out a lot. Okay, moving on. Patron shout-outs, Cinderman. Yes. Uh, let's go over them. So this is, God, of course, the... <laughs> What in the world is Man, happening? The first five minutes of these episodes will just be this now. Uh, I, I got to preface this with, when we were making these these tiers for the Patreon... We were like talking about, we don't know how many people are going to use this. It's probably going to be a pretty short list. And it was for a while. And it's mm. just been growing over time. And now we have this pretty, pretty long list, to be honest. We got to up the price, so guys, obviously. Thank you guys so much. Like whichever, whichever Patreon tier you guys are on to support the podcast, it means a lot. Um, and it really helps keep the podcast going and make it. Uh, gives us a really great incentive for that, so that's fucking awesome. All right, I, I don't know. Will I do the first half? Go ahead, I'll my do friend. The first half. God, there's so many now. All right, special thank you to. How much for you to cast one of my stupid? I mean, awesome pubs. That's a good question, Shane. Do you want to do that? No, thank you for the offer, though. Okay, fit heck. That sounds like something. Uh, okay, Dota is love. Games for falling asleep. Zaddy Sova, Flozy B. Is that a rapper name? Disco Far MD, I'm a pharmacist, and I personally put the chips in the NBA Vax's Wake Up Sons fan. <laughs> Vincent Darksea, the only thing harder than Dark Souls 3 is convincing my anti mage to get me out of the jungle at 45 minutes while our tier 4s are des. I guess destroyed something. Semper Pi, Hakuna Matata, the guy in the chair, Commander Donut. Thank you both for adding your part to help make this one of the most memorable TIs ever. Thank you. I have finally escaped Suns fans clutches and I now roam woods of roaming. <laughs> Bread Sheeran, Shakar, accidental fap after Googling Centaur Maiden videos, but forgetting to add Dota 2. The Mega Pope. And what is your third favorite color TI in New Zealand? That's a good question. Mine Shannon, is black. You're, you're, uh, black. Yes. I knew immediately. It breaks okay, your brain, many, I know. How many colors in a row do you know as your favorites? Probably three. Okay. Yours is one. We already know your limit. <laughs> uh, thank you also yeah. to Zan Xavier, Nate Thicko Zero, One Ham Scrotes, Bacon. TI-10 was almost the best TI ever. Expect Suns fan didn't show his dick on camera. I think he meant to say, except Suns fan didn't show his dick <sighs> on so camera. You can't even spell it right. And Sindarin didn't pr pretend to be blind. I don't need to pretend I'm basically blind. If Shark it's out my TM, contest. Onion the Dog, Novi Panda, Dop, Nothing to See Here, Underscore Man. Ben Broomhead hates how they removed the button to add your all your loading screens to the shuffle five years ago, and it's still gone. Yes. Pitch Black, with an Aftertaste, Duntalk, Anonymous, now buying my friendship with Cinderin for 30 USD. What a Peter, bargain. Peter, what a great TI and God tier casting from you too. Facts will return next week. Nibling. Oh, so this one wasn't a fact. This one was a lie. <laughs> That's true, actually. That was an insult. <laughs> uh, Perka Dirk, really enjoyed your casting at TI. Thank you, friends. We really appreciate the support. Okay. So now that the, the seven minute <laughs> intro is over, let's begin Jesus. the talk of TI 10. Okay. So. I've written some things down, just a small bullet point, stuff we want to talk about, which we will just flesh out as we go through. But I think first things first, let's talk about TI from a game quality standpoint, right. like and the results, things like that, just actual hard facts, essentially. So uh, again, if you guys haven't seen or the results of TI, 
things will be spoiled right now. So just keep that in mind. So throughout the right, we can kind of go back and forth here, Sinner. But group stage ended with uh, Thunder Predator and SG Esports knocked out of the entire tournament, which I don't think anybody was really that surprised. Uh, Thunder Predator didn't. They didn't win a single game. Actually, they went zero and sixteen. So really rough showing. And we ca- yeah. <laughs> we cast a lot of their games as well, um, and they weren't pretty. I think they had one competitive game that we cast actually. Yeah, they had a good game against EG. Uh, but all in all, the the groups ended up in this order. So for Group A, it was IG, Virtus Pro, OG, and T1. So they went to the upper bracket. And from the other group, LGD. Team Secret, Vici, and Team Spirit. So essentially what happened is they got, you know, the top seeds get to choose their opponents, uh, and then the lower seeds go directly to the lower bracket, which started the first round as a best of one, which is exciting from a team, like from just a spectating standpoint, but obviously Mm -hmm. really stressful for players. Um, So basically first day of main stage, Undying is knocked out by Fnatic. Quincy Crew beats Team Aster. So Aster, with all the COVID issues, they're out pretty much immediately. And uh, that Alli- game was spicy. Yeah, that was that was a crazy game. Alliance uh, knocked out Beast Coast. And EG, somehow in the lower bracket, uh, defeat Elephant. That is the like one of the weirdest best of ones just on paper because it is yeah. like god-tier players on both teams. Obviously, Elephant, you know, not the best year, they, but on paper, like they are star-studded, no freaking doubt about it. And they're facing EG lower back. I would never have guessed that, uh, no. for sure. I had both teams picked as potential top four. Yeah, so I had, I had EG winning. So that's... you know, uh, well, I, you got to choose the predictions after you saw what teams were in the upper and lower bracket. So I changed my prediction to be That's LGD. when you got to do your bracket, but your yeah. winner had to be selected pre-tournament, right? I All chose the... EG. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure did. So got that one incorrect. Spoiler. Um, so yeah, upper bracket started. I um, guess we don't really need to go over each respective series, but what ends up happening, Cinderin, uh, in terms of like the top four, Chinese teams ended up, you know taking each other out to some respect with IG facing off against Vici in the lower bracket. Uh, Team Spirit faced off against Virtus Pro, so that was a CIS versus CIS matchup, and everybody expected VP to win. Not the case. It was Spirit who would go on to face IG and destroy them 2-0. Then they face off against Team Secret in the lower bracket finals, which we cast... And they beat them 2-1. I think they lost game one of that series, they if did. I'm not mistaken. And they go on to the grand finals and face off against PSG LGD, who were the upper bracket finalists that basically destroyed everybody. They they lost one game to T1 in the first round of upper bracket. Didn't lose a game until grand finals. And if you go back to the group stage, they lost only one game, right? And it was yep. the team secret. So they lost two total going games. Into the finals, going into the they finals. They were, let me see... 21 and 2, yeah. I think. So into the grand finals we go, yeah. and Team Spirit win the first two games. And I know there's a lot of 
people talking about Magnus, which I think is very fair because Collapse, I think, is my MVP of the entire tournament. Yotaro had all the rampages, and he was amazing, but... I mean, you could say everybody was amazing on that team, but uh, yeah. Collapse, 100% my MVP, not even remotely close. His Mars, his Magnus were just god tier. But basically, every game they got Magnus, they won, right? So first two, they 2-0, and then finally, PSG LGD, when we thought they were finally dead in the water, they start banning Magnus. That's incorrect. Okay, let me see what... They uh... gave them Magnus in game three and triple counterpicked it to win. Okay, my mistake. Actually. So wait, they, they game... really committed to beating. <laughs> what happened game four? The shellac. Then LGD had Magnus. Okay, so Magnus was never okay. I didn't realize that he was banned in game one. Okay, I think my memory. I, no, is... he was unpicked. I think because Spirit prioritized Tide. I want to say he might have. Maybe he got banned second phase. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, for the most part, Magnus was represented a lot and. Game four was the biggest outpick of the entire upper bracket, I think. LGD outdrafted Spirits super hard, and then people were like, okay, it's over. They're broken. What was the score? It was like 20-something to two? Yeah, they were completely running them over. It was a really big outpick. And then going into game five, people have the expectations of, okay, LGD lost their first two games. Now they're warmed up. They figured out how to beat Spirit. They have the strategy. And then they give them Magnus and pick their arguably strongest strategy of the entire tournament with Tiny Lycan. But they first faced those two because they didn't want them banned in the second phase, unlike earlier in the tournament where they would first face the Tiny and then get Lycan later. And Spirit just started heavily counterpicking them. Um, LGD were still really far ahead in that fifth game, but they made a crucial mistake bottom and Spirit got ahead. And then they basically just ran it all the way to the end. So actually unbelievable <laughs> that Spirit ended up winning this tournament. I Yeah. It's so similar to two TIs we've had before, TI6 and TI8 for me, where there's this underdog team that, I mean, I don't know if it's fair to call Spirit as much of an underdog here as OG were at TI8 or DC were at TI6, but at the very least, not a team that people were expecting to get to the finals for the most part, and they lose first round in the upper bracket, and people are like, okay, they lost to IG, this is going to be really hard, and then they just win every series. They had to go through one, two, three, four, five, six wins to get the championship in the main event. So uh, more than any other team. Do you so. remember TI8 where OG started in the main event? Were I they think they started bracket? upper. Yeah, I think so. Did they go lower bracket at any point? I I'm not sure. I can look that up actually. Because see, I to my memory, I don't remember them ever going lower bracket in either uh, they did not you're right i think both runs they were upper bracket the whole time so right? actually so, this is more similar to team liquid at ti7 the run itself because liquid <laughs> dropped early to lower bracket as well uh but yeah but, I, I maybe i'm biased but they but were also more favored in that event than Spirit i Warrior. do feel like it's more like ti6 obviously different result because we didn't end up mm -hmm. winning but we came in with even less expectations than teams like team spirit i picked top six i don't know what you felt a lot of people picked them top eight so it's not a stretch that they would get, you know, a top three finish or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, DC, people had like last place, right? Bottom four, something right. like That's that. That's why I also mentioned OG, because a lot of the rankings going into TI8 had OG getting last. Yes. So, a lot of the power rankings. So Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to compare. But yeah, at the mm -hmm. same time, like from OG's standpoint, they're known people, very known right. 
Like they've established them. They've won majors. Like they won fucking four majors before that TI. And yeah, right. their TIs were not great. Obviously, the rosters were a little bit different. But like this one just felt almost out of nowhere. We cast a lot of spirit this year. I I feel like we cast maybe more spirit than in, at majors than almost anybody else. Um, which I was happy with, if you remember, especially at the anime. I'm like, wow, this is this team is a lot of fun to watch. But they were kind of up and down. They weren't consistent. And they just pulled it together. Uh, like you said, upper bracket, they make it and immediately lose and then just win every series they're out uh, from there. So the finals was super exciting. I thought it was over after game four. I'm like, yeah. there's, there's no way. Because like, I remember our run at TI6, and I was telling other people the same thing. It's not exactly the same, but you played the last day against whatever opponent. So this was Team Secret versus Team Spirit in the lower bracket finals. It goes three games. It doesn't finish the same. I vividly remember the EG versus DC matchup. It ends in like a throne race. It was stressful as fuck. So everybody's like exhausted. But I, I feel like that's probably still the case to some degree for Team Spirit there. So they're relatively exhausted. There's like an hour break. Then you start a best of five. We win, in our case, game one, and then lose the next three. They win the first two. And like, okay, maybe they're doing it. Then they lose the next two, especially that game four was just not even remotely close. And most people are thinking it's just over, and they somehow scrap it out. I think game five, a lot of mistakes from both sides, especially LGD. But that's what makes it like super exciting from a spectating standpoint. You're just seeing like firsthand the pressure just get to these people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And LGD, at the end of the day, they have more pressure on them than Spirit. Spirit is oh, mostly sure. just like 18-year-olds. They're, you know, hey, if we go, it's kind of like the DC mentality. Okay, hey, if we go out, you know, second place, that's way better than most people had us. Like, can't be too upset about that. Like, people weren't, like, right after the loss, we were upset, like, kind of sad. But, like, the next day, it was like, you know what? This was a great run. Just overall very happy with it. So, Team Spirit, I'm sure that would have been the same if they lost. But LGD, it's just yeah. so much pressure to... Not only win the tournament, but come back 0-2, and they almost did. But yeah, very exciting. And honestly, the, the thing that's kind of crazy about this is that when you looked at the tournament win rates afterwards, uh, Team Spirit had the third highest win rate at the event. Um, the highest being PSG LGD, and the second highest being, I believe it was IG. So hmm. obviously groups matter a lot for that statistic, but it's kind of crazy, right? It's about when you get to these brackets... Have you got it or not, right? Um, Spirit and groups went 10 and 6, whereas LGD went 15 and 1, including a 2-0 over Spirit in the groups. Mm. Um, it's, it's just crazy, right, how things can change throughout a few days of main event that teams can grow so much um, and learn so much and prepare that much better for an opponent uh, for Spirit. They faced PSG LGD on day one of groups and kind of got rolled, the way I remember. It wasn't really that close. Um, but... Yeah, it's crazy. And honestly, I, I feel a bit sad for LGD, uh, basically as much as I feel happy for Spirit, because it's an insane accomplishment, and it's you know crazy, and we should be celebrating them for the sake of, first of all, them, and the sake of what it means for Dota, that these young players can win the biggest event, because this is a very heavily experience-based game, but it's still possible. It's not like... It feels like there's this impossible barrier where, oh, you're a high MMR pub player at, at 17, you have no chance, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel that way. 
even though you're playing as players with 10 years of competitive experience, you can still do it. The most experienced and old player on Spirit was 24, and that was Miposhka. All the others are playing like their first year of Pro Dota or something, or their second. Um, yeah. So that's crazy. So but that's for why LGD, I would the thing them. that's so sad is that you have this year where you're just you're just the best, right? This is the best team in the world. I still think it's the best team in the world, but they lost this tournament uh, in a grand finals. But like, mm. I'm sad for them because everything leading into this event looked like they're well prepared. They're so skilled. They have so many different strategies. Their players play individually exceptionally well in their roles. They have great synergy as a team. They seem to have a good atmosphere. Like all of the dream team things you want, this team has. And then they lose by one game in the finals when everything leading up to this was their like moment of greatness, you know, where it was like the perfect wrapping up of the competitive season for them, where they have just been dominant, you know? Like mm-hmm. they just they just deserved it every step of the way to win. But in the finals, they didn't have it. So you got to show up on the big day as well and close it out. And I think largely what hurt them a lot in this series was the first two games, uh, the strategy that they ran in the first two games just didn't work. And coming back from 0-2 is really hard. They almost did it, but... um, So yeah, that's a shame for LGD. Uh, The good news for LGD fans is that they announced that the roster is sticking together for next season fully. Um, So... They want to keep going. They feel like they've got it, you know? And I wonder what's going to happen. I think next happen. year, if they keep playing like this, they have a really good chance once again. I wonder what's going to happen so. with Team Spirit. Like, we don't know the contract situation or anything yeah, we have like no that. Idea I'm sure doing. those players are, like, I'm sure attempted poaches are happening as we speak <laughs> yeah. uh, from bigger orgs. Navi is trying to poach the entire team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's cool to see a, an org that doesn't have, like, that much of a history really if you want to talk i mean the fact that i this is why i think that they're the biggest underdog story in ti and it's not og and this is not to take anything away from og's standpoint but you basically talked about um the fact that four of the players are basically not experienced at all when it comes to competitive play it's just this last year we saw them grind from the beginning um they had to go through TI qualifiers and it went to a game five. I believe it was against Empire. Like they're that close yeah. to not. And I know OG had to go through opens and all that stuff. But again, like what I'm banking on for them is that they have a known roster, at least like people that you're super familiar, like no tails fucking legendary, even before they won TI in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So this right. underdog story is like, it. it's super crazy. Um, and, Another storyline. We'll get back to LGD in a second. I want to talk about Secret. They, (laughs) Puppy and Secret have basically every single TI have gone up one rank spot, right? So the first TI that they were a team, you guys, a lot of you probably don't remember this or weren't around for it, I should say. It was No... Oh, man, I'm trying to remember. Was No-Tail on the team? I know they kicked Fly and then No-Tail ended up leaving. I can't remember who was actually on the roster for that TI, but it was like... Uh, it was Kuroki, Puppy, S4, S4. So was Arteezy on the TI roster? I think so. So then Zai was on it as well, I think. Didn't so, he play Alchemist in the losing game, I think. Either way, they were the favorites TI5, to right? win. Yeah. They were the, I think it was TI5. They were the favorites to win TI because they were winning like every, every big tournament before that. And they took a month off and didn't play anybody else because they didn't want to give away their strats and they got last place right they got seven eight at ti5 they got last place at ti6 okay what am i getting wrong here 
Why? So the the team at TI5 was the one that was favored to win, and they got 7th, 8th. And at TI6, there were also pretty high expectations. That was the roster with Arteezy, Envy, Bulba, Puppy, and Pilidae. That one uh, got last, I think. Okay, so the one yes, place that they, they get lost the year the first after best that. Of one. They lost a 70-minute game against LGD in lower bracket round one. TI6. So wait, I'm, okay, I'm not understanding the storyline. I thought every single year... Puppy's placement has gone up by one, but then that kind of... It has since TI6, I think. Okay, so their first tournament was 7 to 8, and then it gets reset to 16 bottom, and then each time it goes up one rank. By one rank, I mean the next tier. TI7, Secret got 9 through 12. Okay. TI8, Secret got 5 to 6. So they went up two steps there. They skipped the 7th, 8th that time around. Okay. And then TI9... Secret get fourth, and this year Secret get third. Okay, so. so it's it's not as perfect as I was thinking, but still a cool storyline that you know Puppy who and started out as number one in Navi for TI one. <laughs> funny detail about it is that Secret Puppy himself has had every placement at TI except seventeenth, eighteenth, uh, which hasn't existed until two years ago. Right, I think. That well, there's always next year, I guess, for that one. So um, he, we mentioned all the ones he did, right? At TI2 and 3, he got second, and at TI1, he got first. So he's been at every step of the ladder the whole mm-hmm. way. Um, the only placement left for Puppy is to get absolute dead last at TI, so maybe he can do that next year. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Here's hope. losing the... Yeah, we don't have wild cards anymore, so he hasn't done that either. So, yeah, that's but still that's overall a cool storyline for somebody that's competed at every single TI, the only remaining player now. Uh, LGD, we should talk about. Obviously, I mean, I don't want to get too into this, but there's been a lot of talk about uh, the toxicity of the Chinese scene. Obviously, they're not happy. I mean, LG, this is it's not the exact same team, obviously, but second TI now that it's gone to five games and LGD has lost. Um, yeah. They've had some really high placements overall from like several TIs. LGD and Org has insane resume from TI. Yeah, without so the win, there was some drama. Again, don't want to get too into this, but. I something about Zhao Eight's ex, what his second ex-wife, by the way, accusing him of cheating on her, which is, I mean, that's from what I've heard, that's probably true. <laughs> but the one that's more conducive to this actual conversation, uh, betting on games against LGD, so essentially accusing him of three-two-twoing, and I believe that it has been debunked, from what I've seen. Again, I'm not have not fully read into all of this. I'm not the judge, jury, and executioner just talking about the drama as a whole, and we're not really going to you know, side either way, but I'm sure Valve will be looking into that. I'd, I'd be really surprised if he was involved in anything like that. It doesn't really make sense, but again, you never know, I guess. Right. Uh, one of the key rules at TI for the integrity of the tournament is that anyone participating is not allowed to bet on any games, including right. betting on your team to win. Um, so that is just strictly against the rules. So it's it, like you can take the three to two perspective. Did he bet against his own team? Even if he bet for them, that's still not allowed. So, mm. um, and it's because you might be like, why can't you bet on your own team if you're like really confident you think they're going to win, etc.? You can have some sort of like. You know, no matter what happens in that game, even if you just win it fair and square and you've placed a big bet on it, that looks that can look shady from an outside perspective, right? That there's still an agreement made and you can, you know, money under the table, you bet on them to win and then other people have a stake in your bet 
and then you share it with the losing team, you can imagine all sorts of things that you could do. Uh, so it's just a zero tolerance policy. Like you just don't bet on any games as a player or a coach or anything with the, with the teams. So um, it's really that simple. Um, it's good to hear that it sounds like it's been debunked. I don't have like any key evidence or anything about either the whole scandal with his ex-wife or about the betting. So I'm not going to say whether it's true or not. Uh, I'm just going to say I really, really hope it's not true just because um, Xiaoid is a really you know, integral part of Chinese Dota and a really like big historical figure for the game. So if he would go out on that, that would be such a huge fucking shame. Um, yep, I agree. So hopefully that's not the case. And I think China still needs him. That's the other thing. I think he's a huge part of PSGLGD's success, even though he's getting the majority of the blame for the finals, where I think to an extent I could agree that his drafting wasn't the best it's been, except game four, which was obviously outstanding. Um, he might have made some key mistakes here or there, depending on your perspective. Um, but outside of that, you know, he's been a huge asset to this team. There's like no doubt about it. And they want to keep working with him. And they, are, they, I saw a lot of posts on the social media from their players saying, don't blame Xiao Eid. Uh, especially Jin Q actually went into a lot of detail in a long tweet chain to fans about how, how he feels like they lost. It wasn't about the Magnus. It was a team decision. Don't destroy Xiao Eid. Um, we all did our best, but we didn't play well enough. These kind of things. So they're kind yeah. of, they have each other's backs, it sounds like, which is great. Well, I, them under the I, for one, am really happy that they're staying together because yeah, that's same. just going to make things more interesting for this an next incredible year. incredible team. Well. Uh, okay, last thing on this general topic um, <laughs> Vladimir Putin. <laughs> Speaking of China, <laughs> uh, in his, I guess, some blog, he congratulated uh, Team Spirit, which is. That's <laughs> pretty funny. I can just only imagine that being a thing in the U.S. or any other country, really. Uh, but I mean that—that that is something, no doubt about. If you're okay, let me let me ask you this. Let's say you had an NA team, and they won TI. Would you want a shout out from the president? It depends on who the president. Is. <laughs> I don't want to get political, Cinderin. Okay. Okay. It depends on who it is. Yes. Okay. Got it. (laughs) But understood. In theory, yes, that would be cool. Okay. Okay. Uh, Yes. I feel you. (laughs) Yes, I know. We're on the same page with that one. Okay. Uh, Is there anything you want to talk before we move on to like uh, other things about the event, Uh, like hero wise? Like, are you expect? I mean, I would assume like the level fifteen and twenty talent from Magnus are nerfed if not just completely removed maybe even the cast point of horn toss uh i think all three of them together is going to be too big of a nerf but what are your thoughts on any hero changes that are off the top uh, of your head yeah as far as mag goes he's going to get th- there's different options either talents or like you said horn i think horn toss has to get nerfed no matter what okay but it it could be the only thing or it could be that plus another minor thing The problem with Horn Toss is I think a lot of people weren't aware just how good this skill is. It's basically a frontal cone, like a half circle in front of your hero that has a bigger AoE than Axe Call. So you basically blink in, pull people behind you, and then skewer them back. So like, what's your point in picking Axe over this hero? Like, Mm. the biggest appeal in that hero is Magnus just does it better from minute 20 because he catches and repositions instead of just catching which has always been Axe's Achilles heel, right? Is that, yeah, you can catch heroes, but you can't really move them any in any way when you catch. 
Mm -hmm. uh, Mag can just do it better. And the cast point is super low. The cooldown is pretty low. Uh, when you get Etherlands, it's even more disgusting how big the range is and the skewer range and everything. So, yeah, that's going to get nerfed for sure. Uh, some talent nerfs could be the thing. I think Tiny will absolutely get hit. He was very, very busted. Uh, I think Wolf Bite as a concept might be reimagined entirely. Uh, it's pretty garbage because Slacks came up with it, so we're probably going to remove it entirely. <laughs> I love that. Uh, no, get, I hope they don't get rid of it. Dude, no. The Christmas tree cast were the best, honestly. It, it, I, I will say, fun. though. It is funny, but it's it should probably be changed. There was it supposed be to be a nerf to Tiny's talent with the tree damage that right. didn't exist, apparently. So the entire yeah, was, time, the it was never was nerfed throughout the entire tournament. Yeah. Uh, we talked about the idea of Oops. perhaps like just doing that in the middle of the tournament. And I think you were saying that you would be fully like against that because people have gotten used. To... Was that you I was talking to? It wasn't me. Okay. Really. Well, what are your thoughts on them hot fixing that in the middle of a tournament? Uh, I would so, be okay with that because it's a bug. See, I, I'm on the same page as you, but right. other people were not. So there is another side to this. But essentially, latent bugs I think are fine to fix. Um. Like it's so, considered you know the... a hotfix, right? Yes. Okay, so people are fine with it. Let's say, okay, let's say it did double damage instead of 15% too much. I think their opinions would change, right? Yeah, that's true. They'd be like, holy shit, this is so broken, right? And it's still broken, it's just less broken. Mm. But, you know, there's probably some sort of a limit uh, to what people would tolerate, and theirs is just higher, I guess. Uh, I think hotfixing something like that would be completely fine. If it's discovered as a bug that's unintended, <clears throat> then teams need to adapt to that. But yeah. Yep, I agree with that. Okay. Uh, I think the counter-argument was teams have been practicing with it for so, like, for X amount of days or weeks, and it doesn't seem fair right. to change it in the middle of a tournament. But I'm, I agree with you. If they came out with a patch note that said it was nerfed and then it actually wasn't that's just a hot fix bug in my opinion basically um but and even with that talent change i think the hero is still crazy he would still be great he'll still be picked for yeah. sure rated high so he's getting nerfed uh i think perhaps io gets nerfed a bit which i wouldn't mind bane probably gets nerfed which is a shame because i love that hero but it deserves it i think had the highest win rate out of every hero at ti um might see a little bit of a nerf to elder titan um what else i think that's the majority of the stuff to be honest just going off memory um let me just quickly see okay just quickly looking at the heroes here take your time sender yeah i i think honestly i think that's the the majority of what would get changed the way i see it maybe slight nerf to tide he was also very high rated um, but outside of that, hero. you know, we, we had a couple of glaringly pow powerful heroes, but outside of that, it was actually a, a relatively balanced hero roster this year, but a very good hero variety as well throughout the event. Yep. I agree. Okay. Monkey King. Of course, Monkey King will get nerfed a bit. I forgot that one. Truth. He'll get nerfed. Let's yeah. move on to the next topic, which... I guess we can put this all in one category, the tournament itself from our perspective. And I want to start with you with just in a small scope here, the all-star match. Talk to me about how that was from your, your side. For those that don't know, it was essentially, I think it was supposed to be four teams, uh, but the Chinese uh, crew never made it to Romania, obviously. 
Right. So it ended up kind of messing things up a bit. It was meant but, to be a small tournament of some sort. Yeah. So tell me how that came about and maybe explain. Yeah. So there were three teams. One was English talent, one was Russian talent, and one was uh, a stream team that was invited to specifically play in the All-Stars. Um, Which is what Gork was supposed to be on. I yes. Think, right? If you guys remember what we talked about last episode or two episodes ago, I guess it was by now. Um, that was the thing Gork was invited to do and turned down. Um, yeah, it was fun. Um, we were, you know, we didn't practice at all. Obviously it was just a, a thing. We just go on stage, all five of us, we sit down, our audio is recorded. Uh, we're just having fun playing, um, just memeing around and just playing our heroes in ARDM. Uh, it was a very close game for us against the Russian team that we lost. And then they played against the stream team and also lost, they lost a little bit more than we lost to the Russian team, I think. So uh, but the fans loved it. That's the biggest part. And where all-star matches are a lot of a hit or miss is the fan reception. Because the game itself, from a competitive standpoint, could be really good and evenly matched, but it's about whether it's fun to watch. Mm -hmm. And both the Russian and the Western audience loved the show matches. They thought it was really fun because of the communication, the audio, uh, the good mix of like people trying to win at the same time. as just kind of both trying to win and having fun at the same time and just messing around so it wasn't like anyone was like giga throwing or didn't give a shit uh but at the same time they're also not like dead serious about it and try harding to the absolute limit and i think that's except a good for solo mix for like a fun match right <laughs> except for solo who bought bkb both games <laughs> fucking solo man um but yeah i, I thought that was a, a great mix uh, i think the all-star matches were were fun it was fun to play and we got so much positive feedback so that was awesome this year apparently uh, a lot of people said it was the best all-star match ever so that was really cool this is just a little side note that i I cannot stop laughing. You guys were never told that the booth audio <laughs> was going to be recorded. There was and... a bit of a mis <laughs> mix up in communication, I think. Something was yes. meant to be communicated to everyone and wasn't. Um, which was a theme for the whole tournament, which we'll get to soon enough. Um, but yeah, that, that I mean, I agree. It was really fun to watch. I think just listening to comms in general is just interesting to everybody. And the thing that made it better this is going to sound weird pro players like strictly just current pro players do not make for a good all-star match unless there's a new hero involved we had underlord once and we had techies which i actually cast that all-star match at ti4 uh, there's a new hero it literally doesn't matter how bad the game is because people are going to be hyped that there's a new hero being played for the first time right other than that Generally speaking, maybe there's a couple exceptions here or there. Pro players are not entertaining at fucking all. And again, there's a couple like Dendi is an exception to this, obviously. Um, there's like that's people why... that aren't f afraid to show a lot of emotion and just mess around like that. Um, yeah. But but yeah, the the amount of those people in the pro ranks that are good on camera and that communicate in a funny way and have that liveliness isn't that high. So you. You really need to stack the deck for the all-star match in that case and the problem for valve at ti is uh, they've got a lot of negative feedback from players because they don't want to play the all-star match if they're still in the tournament because then it's just part of their time that goes to that when they want to prep for games yeah and they also don't want to play it right after they get eliminated because then they're just sad right so it's just they kind of just came to the conclusion this year let's try to do it without players at all um I personally think the best All-Star match we've had it, from many perspectives is the one where the crowd was involved. I think that mm -hmm. makes for a really fun game because it's like 
it's audience interaction. It's a way for the fans in the stadium to make it truly special for them. Like, I think it's still a very memorable moment for a lot of them. And who can forget, what was his name? XX420 Booty Wizard, was it, or something? Um, and that, like, super close 10v10 that I think they played that year with five fans for, on each team and five uh, pros. I think that is a great format, but it obviously only works if you have a crowd. Um, well, and also, but still, pro players were not, well, some of them at least, were not happy because, like you said, they have to compete or they're just recently eliminated. Generally, pro players don't want to play in all-star matches. Yeah. So if we're trying to make everybody happy. But you could happy, do five talent and five fans as well, for example, next yeah, year. true. Uh, I think that would make for a cool, cool version. But yeah, overall, I, I think ARDM is also quite a good mode because it's a great format. basically a time limit on every game. Basically, it comes down to the kills. So... Uh, now the only issue is there's some bugs with ARDM. Uh, apparently you can't buy a shard. I mean, you can, I guess, but if you die, you lose it, which is unlucky. Very unfortunate. Um, okay, next thing. Okay, so let's talk about the. I want to talk about the production side of things for right. TI. I'm trying to be objective here. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then I want to talk about talent experience as a whole. And then we can talk about kind of us, sure. uh, you and me, that is. So production standpoint, it started out a bit rough around the edges for sure. Um, there was a lot of delays. It feels like every time T1 entered a booth, there were delays. <laughs> I don't know if that's just bad luck with them or what. But part of the issue was COVID, where every time a new team comes into the booth, it needs to be like fully cleaned and all that. Like, Typically, again, I'm not saying there weren't delays in the past for TIs, but you'll notice that the panels were easier in the past because there's a lot more content to work with and there was less time in between series. But now you're adding yeah. on this extra time, so it you know, creates more opportunity for things to go wrong, which there were some issues. Uh, the group stage uh, audience noise, I know a lot of people hated it, you and I had a lot of fun with that. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I loved it. I loved I it loved too. I couldn't. I mean, I can understand why some people would be annoyed, but I think uh, if you play around with it correctly, it, it can be it can make it a positive. But then the right. crowd noise. So just... <clears throat> go ahead. Sorry, if I can quickly just go over the noise that like the stages of it. Yeah. Version number one of audience noise was in group stage, and it seemingly just happened at random. Like there was just they were just testing the noise. I think mm. so. There were a lot of complaints that this cheering makes no sense. They're like loud crowd cheers when someone is farming jungle. You know, like it's just totally weird. Then they gave the audience some sort of agency over the crowd noise where the, it would cheer when fans would interact with the stream or in-game. Uh, that was also very hit or miss. Sometimes the cheering was really good. Other times it was just randomly a lot of people clicking it at the same time. So there was cheering when it didn't really make sense. And then uh, for playoffs, there was uh, the guy doing the crowd noise has been in recent times working on, what was it? Was it MMA? Or I want to say there was some sort of sport that he had been doing uh, noise for during COVID as well. So he was very experienced hmm. and it showed. Like this guy was clearly good and he knows Dota. So he just understood what moments were exciting Um and I think he did an awesome job. And I think it actually adds a lot of atmosphere to the event that there's crowd noise. Even though everyone knows it isn't real, it just 
it, it just hypes up this moment that you're sharing together with everyone else in chat because you kind of feel like, to an extent, you feel like they're there. Um, just like with green screens, right? People know it's not real, but it can still add something if it's well executed. It looks nice. Uh, it feels more immersive. And I think that's the biggest part, honestly, is the immersion, right? You're playing the biggest event of the year. There's meant to be cheering. Yeah. So if that was missing, I think, I think the absence of it would have been worse than a, an okay executed crowd noise. But since it was well executed, I thought it was great. Yep, agreed. One, once I got to main event, the crowd, some people have asked really us, good. the crowd noise actually d did come up in the arena itself for us as well. Yeah. Uh, so it, it was real hype. I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh, other production stuff. Um, one thing that I, I mean, I was, there was this tent area that we had where if you guys watch any of the panel uh, stuff, that's where they were. It's like a different location, essentially, just like off to the side of the arena itself. Uh, I was only a part of uh, one draft panel, so I didn't really spend too much time in there. But so as a result, I was watching a lot more. And I, I, I will admit, I, I don't like green screens in general, and I don't think it was good. I thought that was one of the worst part of the tournaments, actually, from just a viewer perspective. Uh, it looked terrible. Most of the time, I think they started cleaning it up, you know, day by day, it would improve a bit. But even by the end, yeah, I, it, got I could, it got a lot better by the end. I still can tell it's, I don't know. I just, I would rather have like a half ass set that they put together in like a day than a green screen. I think green screen for me is, it's kind of lazy and generally looks like, especially when you have people like fucking Jenkins with this horrific hair that they have to right. literally straighten <laughs> to make it look okay on camera. Shiver's hair was yeah, pink, that was... which wasn't a real thing. That was the green screen doing that. I, I really dislike the green screen as a whole. One of the things that's really tricky with it is that what green screen doesn't handle too well in general is shadows, right? And when people have curly hair and reflection, so when people have curly hair, the way light uh, disperses between hair is super hard to emulate uh, in... Without knowing too much about it, it's just apparent. It's really hard to handle that uh, in a green screen setup. So either you need to have people straighten their hair, or you need to ha have them have less hair, or you need, uh, you know, like, I need to have a specific color or whatever it is, or it needs to be spread out in a specific way so that the, like, if you imagine your hair is like layered on top of itself, that's better than if it's just a mess where the light is just flying around in between everywhere. Um, I think we had this conversation at TI where I feel like we kind of agreed on this, that I, I think I have a slightly, I don't know if I would say I have a different take on green screen, but I just have an opinion about it that uh, my, my take on it is basically, I think green screen, it's so hard to make it so convincing that you fool the audience into thinking it's real, right? Mm -hmm. When there's a green screen setup, it needs to be so exceptionally well executed to look fully real. So if you're doing that, why not just make it clear <clears throat> that it is green screen and then make uh, make a setup that doesn't look real. You know what I mean? So, so like, what about Singapore you don't strive Major? For this per you don't strive for this perfect um, <clears throat> mimicking of a real studio, but you make a set that is meant to be clearly not real, but then you make it clean. Because <clears throat> part of the challenge is to, when you try to make it look clean, the issue is if you make almost a perfect set and then there's like one or two spots that aren't perfect, they stand out so hard. Right? So I know everything what you're else saying. is meant to look real. I understand what you're saying. I actually disagree because the Singapore major had a green screen 
and it was obviously fake because it had like Dota stuff in the background constantly. Right. And I thought it looked like shit as well. But that one just it wasn't well enough executed. Like I think. I mean, you could argue that, I guess. I, I think there it is a morphling. version of green screen where you clearly, like, you should. I don't know. Maybe it's wishful thinking, but I think you can make a, a set with green screen where everyone knows it's fake, but it's visually appealing, right? If you make one that is meant to look perfectly real, then flaws stand out too much, and getting it flawless is almost impossible. Is my my experience with seeing green screen sets in general in esports broadcasting is that you can kind of always tell, right? So I well, think it's more important to execute okay. a sleek look than make it look like it isn't there. This you know I mean? is what I would say. I, When I say I don't like green screens, I mean if the entire thing is a green screen, I think it is mm-hmm. never good, ever, 100% from my side. If you have mm-hmm. elements of a green screen, like let's say you have a set, everybody's in these couches, you have an actual background, everything looks mm-hmm. fine, and then you scan, you, you pan over to like Purge doing Weatherman, then you can have a green, that's fine. To have a green screen right. there it's like if it's segmented but if the whole fucking thing is a green screen like you said it's very hard to execute and even if it is like it just never looks realistic enough to look good in my opinion this is just my opinion i don't know what people actually feel but i, I just think mm-hmm. green screens as a whole are when they're used to that degree are terrible just terrible um i think um i would overall agree that a well-executed set is better uh, but I can imagine some situations, such as you said, with like separate segments, or if you have enough time and execute it really, really well, that you can make something with green screen that you couldn't make in reality, right? Like changing backgrounds, uh, some sort of like different atmosphere that you can't really fully mimic in the same way with a set. Mm. Uh, but if you're not doing that, I think to an extent, if you think about it, what they did with this green screen this year could have technically been a set, right? The setup that they had there could have been executed as a setting, mm-hmm. in theory, yeah. um, and they didn't really have that much dynamic. So I definitely, I definitely feel like it was probably a time limitation thing as well, or a new technology that they wanted to try out, which I'm all for. Um, but I agree on the execution side, the green screen did not work out as well as it could have. But importantly, they improved it over time. They mm-hmm. didn't go into the grand finals day with the same issues they had day one of main event because that would have been a really bad look. Um, right, they almost shaved Jenkins' better, head. Still not fully... Very close to shaving Jenkins' head for sure. <laughs> it was still um, not fully, uh, fully convincing for me. But okay, and then the last better. thing from a production standpoint that I want to talk about is the tooltips, uh, which, if you're new, uh, we've talked about this in the past. But me and Buka, who's a dear friend of mine, uh, started the Dota Two ex- Dota Two tooltips extension, which is the most used extension on Twitch for games. And I pitched Valve to let us use it. Well, let us. <laughs> I pitched Valve to pay us to use it, uh, like mm. an upgraded version for TI. So, and when I say we, I mean Buka is doing literally all the work. Uh, he got flown out. We got to hang out a lot and, you know, talk about all the stuff he was adding, which was a considerable amount. But we had some issues, which I, you may have noticed me <laughs> talking some shit during actual cast on main stage to Twitch. Uh, because there were some issues. So the main thing, which was horrific timing. Okay, let me just go through the timeline, Cinder. So having a back and forth with Valve, like, okay, we want all this stuff. Uh, we, like, we want it standings. We want cheering. We want uh, you know videos to show. Like Everything that you saw was like upgraded versions that we will be 
you know, putting over into the regular version of the tooltip soon. And we had a Twitch contact the whole time. This is a literal six-month period that this is happening, this back and forth. And we asked for a bunch of stuff from Twitch. They said no. They said no. They said no. They're like, okay, the one thing that we can do for you, the one thing is approve your extension. So for people that don't know how this process normally works, let me take it through for you. Every time you want to update an extension on Twitch, it has to go through a manual review on Twitch, okay? This means somebody has to manually go in, review it, and approve it to make sure there's not like some sketchy-ass shit on there. The problem yep. is that takes three to five business days to do. The one thing they said they could do is instant approval because, hey, it's the biggest esports tournament of all time. You guys have a good track record, obviously the most used extension on Twitch. Fine. The literal day of the first group stage, Cinderin, Twitch got hacked. <laughs> yep. Twitch got fucking hacked. Yep. And afterwards, Buka is like having an email with the guy. Because again, we're on Romanian time. And the Twitch office is, you know, it's like, let's say midnight. So it's like 10 a.m. Or I don't know what the fuck the time is. Whatever. It, Twitch is emailing us back. And they're still saying, this is fine. We can still approve it. Like, okay. This is fine. Like the meme with the fucking dog and <laughs> Everything, the burning Flames in the background. <laughs> yeah. This is fine. <laughs> 3 a.m. of the tournament. Buka's ready to submit it. He does. And they're like, JK lull. We can't approve it. Basically, all this PR bullshit where they don't go into specifics <clears throat> and say, we have to approve this manually again. So it might take three to five business days. And... We're obviously livid. We don't know what to do. So I don't know if I can say who we talked to. We talked to a couple people, one at Valve who had some good Twitch contacts. And eventually they put it in like the second or third day of group stage. That's why there was a delay there. And then remember, right. every time we add something, like cheering came in later, standings came in later, they have to do that shit again. So we have to like pull favors to get them to approve it. But you know, eventually it all got in and very well received, and uh, we had to spend a lot of money on servers. <laughs> Astronomical amount of clicks from you motherfuckers watching the stream. <laughs> Just destroying the fucking Good servers. Good job, chat. Good yeah. job, chat. But all in all, very cool. Uh, glad that people liked it. Okay. Talent experience, Cinderin. Yes. Let's talk about our experience as talent. Uh, first, I do want to say one thing. Uh, the three people that I did not ever get to work with before this were Sumi, Frankie, and Avo Plus. I was, I know there were some hate threads on all three of them at some point, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't agree with any of them, honestly. I thought they did a really good job. I didn't really get to watch that much from the hosting perspective, but... Always been a big fan of Frankie. From what I saw, Sumi did a really good job, especially with the interviews and all that. And Avo, I want to talk about Avo Plus for a second. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so we get to uh, the hotel. We, we have to quarantine for a day, all this bullshit. And then once everybody's out of the quarantine and we're good to go, we have a meeting with, again, I don't know if the Valve employees want me to say their name, so I'm not going to say it. A Valve employee grouped up all the talent and we had to talk about what to expect for the tournament going forward. Because we, we haven't been told jack shit up to that point. Which, according to other people like you, you say that's very normal for mm -hmm. uh, TIs in general. 
at the end of this meeting, people start talking about exit interviews, okay? And the Valve employee is asked, who is doing exit interviews or do they exist? He's like, yes, they exist. And Suns fan's going to do them. And everybody's looking around like, we can't Every, tell. And everyone started laughing. We, everybody <laughs> no, started laughing. No, that's true. That there was funny. some laughter, including I, I was in literal fucking shock. I'm like, did he just say my name? <laughs> There's no way. There's no way that they want me to do exit interviews. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then he just continues talking about other stuff with the tournament. So I'm just like this whole time looking around, like, did he, did he Was just that say a my... joke? Hello? <laughs> Was he joking? So he's like 15 more minutes go by and he's done talking about the whole tournament. Okay. And I go up to him after him, like, were you kidding about me doing exit interviews? He's like, half kidding. We actually think you do a really good job. I'm like, oh my God, is there a way that I can say no to this? (laughs) So, and he's like, of course you can say no, all that good stuff. And, you know, some part, like my initial reaction is definitely no. There's literally nothing to gain. I'd be terrible at this. But then at the same time, like I'm very self-deprecating by nature. I think I'm terrible at everything I do. So later on, I go call my girlfriend because she obviously couldn't make the visit. So I had to call on WhatsApp or whatever. And she's my biggest fan. She supports me in literally everything I do. She's my biggest fan by far. And I ask her, do you think I would be good at exit interviews? And she's like, God, no, you'd be fucking terrible. So I'm like, all right, that, <laughs> that seals it. I am telling them no. Luckily for me, though, Avo Plus was like, I want to do this. He was talking to me. I want to do this. I'm like, dude, by all means, take this dog shit off my plate. And uh, obviously, he had a rough start in terms of his uh, feedback from Reddit or whatever. But it's the literal hardest job. Literal hardest job. He got a lot job. better really fast. Honestly, yeah. I was impressed. And okay, so it's <laughs> a bit of a funny background story. There was one of so in the beginning, people gave him a lot of flack for being like. It almost felt like when he was interviewing that he was the one who lost, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was like, at least some of the feedback was that he seemed so sad that you were just making the player sadder, right? And it's it's like about, it's a really difficult balance to strike because you want to be professional and give the player a way to talk, but you also don't want to seem like you don't care that they lost, right? It's like, you are in a moment with a very, like a person who's fragile because they just lost their moment of their dreams, right? So mm. it is a really difficult job because of just the human element on the other side. Um, so I think some people thought he was being too sentimental and that it made it seem like he was on the verge of crying with every team that had lost uh, and that the questions were a little bit too... Like that it was too drawn out. A lot of the time, exit interviews are just quick and to the point, right? Like, say something to your fans. Um, what what went wrong today? You know, these kind of things. Um so that the, so that the player does the entire narrative and you're basically a microphone in a way, right? Mm. Um, and that's really difficult. I'm saying it in a very simple way, but I think it's a very, very hard thing to do. So uh, also this year, the exit interviews were the fastest after the loss they have ever been. Exit interviews at previous TIs have been later in the day. They've mm. been 15 minutes later. They've been 30 minutes later, something like that. This was literally out of the booth, walk for a little bit, get interviewed. So... The amount of mental processing these players go through after 15 minutes makes a huge difference compared to two minutes. 
Um, so that was something to maybe think about for next year. And he Not was out of breath a couple times because he had to yes. <laughs> yes. So people thought that he was like trying to catch his breath from like sadness that it was an act. That he was trying to seem really sad because he was like, oh, you know, oh, it was so hard. He literally sprinted to catch fly when he was interviewing EG. So people thought he was like overly an EG fan. He was just fucking out of breath. Which made me think if you were doing the X interviews, you might have passed out. On yeah. the way to fly, we might have not even got the extra interview. <laughs> that would have been good content, though. Literally fainted in front of him, which would have been good on camera too. To be honest, I think that would have been a good bit. Yeah, I, I'm still trying. Dude, to Dude, could you imagine that you show up to fly, you pass out, and he just walks away? <laughs> God, I would be oh, just man. awful at exit interviews. My lord. Oh man, part of me really wanted you to say yes. I actually just wanted to see it. <laughs> I think you'd be better at it than you give yourself credit for, but no. I still don't know if it would be good. No, so what funny. they said, the reason that they thought I would be good is because of the, you know, I joke a lot and it would be a lighthearted thing. I'm like, but I, I really don't think that would come off well. Somebody just got their mm. heart broken and I'm making a right. joke? Right. Like that's I, it, It's just difficult, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of understand like to a degree where they're coming from, but I, I really think I would have been bad. Thank you, Oppo, for taking that off my plate. But yeah, anyway, uh, the new talent that we didn't get a chance to work with had a really good job. Um, Who else did exit interviews? Was it Sumi? Uh, Frankie and Sumi. Uh, Frankie and Sumi, both? Yeah, okay. Did, maybe they did winner. I can't remember. But yeah, that Avo did most of them. But I You, you know job. what? After thinking about it, you know who should have done exit interviews? Who? Effie. Yeah, she would have bad, literally, actually. she would have gone to the player and asked them for a hug. That's true. And cried with them. Yeah. And that would have been really cute and sentimental. All right, move on. That okay. would have not been good. I, it would have been better than me. I think the only person that would have been worse she than me. She would have been nerve-wracked. Mm. Like, well, true. They're, they're, I think out of all talent there, she would have refused the strongest, I think, to do that. She's very sentimental around stuff like that, I think. So she would have just never wanted to. Senator, who would have been worse than me, though? Can you name somebody? Effie. Seriously? There's no way. I don't... I, I, what, do you, what do you consider worse? I think she would have not done it. If they were to do it, who would have been worse than me? If they had to do it? Yes. I don't know. I still think Effie? Jenkins is the correct answer. Okay, let's let's Jen continue on here. Jenkins would have probably been pretty bad. <laughs> he would have been real bad. Okay, no, his but, his uh, okay. segments were amazing, by the way. It would have been for two completely different reasons that they would have been out of place, though. I think the whole thing about over sentimental and stuff for Effie, it would be genuine, but she would just be so sad there that it would just make for a really sad moment when it's meant to be like a moment for the players to connect with their fans and say thank you for supporting. And I, I think with Effie there, it would just be uh, both people crying and then cutting to camera, you know? Right. Um, so. Yeah. Okay, so moving on with our experience. So <clears throat> I guess we can just take you guys through, like, the everyday kind of thing. The group stage, we went to the arena. Uh, obviously, like, we're outside the arena. It's fucking huge. It's decorated with all the banners. And then you get inside, and it's just so sad to not see any fans, obviously. Uh, that was a literal, I don't know about you, every day it kind of hit me uh, a little bit differently. But group stage, we ended up uh, just 
casting in like these team booths, not team booths, the team suites, which they weren't yeah. using because they played the group stage at the hotel. Um, <clears throat> and the group stage was fun. We got to be a little bit more clowny as a result. That was really fun. Um, and then when it moved to the main event, uh, we obviously went out into the main arena and it was fucking cold as shit. My God. It was cold. And it took them like three days to fix it by getting heaters. Like first they gave us blankets and I'm like, I, the blanket was weird because it's going to look weird with me on camera with a blanket and I don't want to use it while I cast because I like standing and it's electric blanket. So I didn't use it. Uh, and then they put in like a heater, like this really shitty, I don't know what you want to call that, like the shitty portable heaters, which were okay. They helped Able a bit. Heaters, yeah. And then finally, they put like an industrial heater behind us, which was great. Like you get too close, it actually burns you. So that was great. Um, yeah. But casting was a lot of fun. Um, I will say that the we'll get into the why we started wearing masks, but the masks made it. Did it have any effect on you? Because for me, I know I'm like horribly fat and out of shape, but when I would be casting team fights, I would be out of breath much faster because of the mask. Right. I noticed that was the main difference for me. It's not really something I can relate to because the way I'm casting the games doesn't use that skill set very much. Yeah. It's very rare that I do like a hype cast for like 20 seconds straight, right? It, it basically never happens. Um but I will say <laughs> casting with a mask on definitely like the, the biggest downside for an expert, I think, is primarily the the sound quality. Right. But that's the same for everyone. Um, yeah. And just the overall comfort. It's nicer without. But there was a good reason for it, obviously. So it is what it is. Um, I think it was a good decision, both in terms of what it signals to the audience, but also for the overall safety of the event to do it. Um, we'll get to that in a second, why that was important. Yeah. Uh, as far as the overall stage setting goes, um, what people need to understand is the reason why the casting area was cold is that um, the arena we're in in Romania is not an enclosed arena like Key Arena in the past and the arena in Shanghai. Um, this was an open roof arena where the roof was then covered, obviously, because it's autumn, but um, it's used for football primarily, I believe. Um, so there's air in there. Um, and it was... October in Romania, which isn't particularly hot. And a lot of our casting hours are like 10 a.m. It was raining uh, every day. Midnight. Well. My and God. Fuck, the weather was every awful. Every day it Could rained. Valve have given us better weather, please? <laughs> that was actually ridiculous ah! that they got us so bad weather. Um, so yeah, that, a bit of bad luck, obviously. Like, honestly, <laughs> if we look back on this event and think about some things, there's some things that could have been done better, and there's some things that are just fucking bad luck, right? Like, the event itself, it's just bad luck that, at least I feel this way. I know a lot of people disagree and are just like, Valve, how could you ever host this in Romania? You know it's a bad COVID spot. When they switched to Romania, it was like the lowest, one of the lowest COVID case areas in all of Europe. And yeah, then it's a question of, okay, is it because people aren't getting tested or because people aren't infected? And that will always be a dilemma that it's kind of hard, I think, to just quantify and perfectly make the right decision. But... At the time in July, when it was announced it would be in Romania, no one complained about COVID in the announcement. No one was like, oh my God, you're taking it to Romania. It's a COVID hotspot. There yeah. was like nothing. It looked so good. And then two weeks before TI, it spikes. <clears throat> so that's just, you know, it, it's bad luck, really. You can't really... 
Yeah, I mean, I... if they would have if they would have decided to put in Romania with the numbers two weeks prior, I would say it was irresponsible. But they didn't have that information. It was just it just happened. I, I talked with uh, <clears throat> Silvio a bit, which is the head guy of uh, PGL, and yeah. kind of got his perspective on things. Which, you know, I coming from myself, which I've run some tournaments as well, I can understand. Obviously, smaller scale, but you're right. The three month time to get everything up and running it's it's definitely difficult. <clears throat> that's not to say that things couldn't shouldn't have been better in some areas because they should have but it wasn't yeah, you know they should have it's not like a complete shit show in my opinion um okay let's talk about why we're wearing masks. well first let me end the production or this talk with mm-hmm. the stage was amazing <laughs> the stage was sick as sad Such as that is to say with no crowd the 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 stage was, was very really fucking good, good. Yeah. the screens were enormous the biggest screens I've personally ever seen in my entire life, and there were two of them. Cause... I feel like that's something that Valve have never disappointed with at the TI. <clears throat> I think the stage has consistently always been awesome. Yeah, Even at TI1 for the time, the way it was set up at Gamescom, which is like a, a games convention where tons of different uh, game developers come and showcase their new stuff, uh, booths with merch and shit. Yeah. The monitors they had there were easily the coolest at the event. The seating area, for what it was, was really good. And then all the subsequent TIs where we had, like, Benaroya Hall was so fucking cool. And then all of the years in Key Arena, they just upgraded the screen setup. It was really, really nice. Like, their stage setting... Remember this, the year... I don't know if that was the year you were with uh, DC. Maybe it was TI6 where... Um, they made these effects in the ceiling where when ultis were being cast, they were like projected onto the floor of the arena and shit mm-hmm. like that. Like they've always been really good at uh, scene design. That's probably the most consistently thing Valve has done right at TI. Right. The stage has always looked amazing. They didn't uh, so have that. that massive props. <clears throat> they didn't have the ulti thing because that might have no been TI seven. There's absolutely no point. Oh, you mean this that. year? Yeah, yeah. yeah, they couldn't have it there. It wasn't possible to set it up anyway. Um, but yeah, the stage design was cool. Yeah, as far as the, just to, to wrap up the weather thing, obviously we could have had better weather. It could have been warmer. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, whoever's doing the setup of that area, when you do the, the testing and set it all up, uh, should have probably recognized that it was too cold and that heating needed to be pre-installed, right? That was just something that could have been taken care of in advance and that, theoretically speaking, talent shouldn't really be necessary to troubleshoot that because the weather was basically the same two weeks in a row, right? Let's be honest. It was just cold and rainy so, yeah uh, someone else could have made that connection on stage and been like okay we need to install heating here um so yeah okay so let's talk about why we were wearing masks uh with a yeah. few days left to go in the tournament so <clears throat> i wasn't going to name names but uh it was already revealed actually yeah uh which you guys can check out uh caps podcast with leaf eater called the side pull podcast uh, he talks in depth about this issue, uh, which obviously we'll just gloss over, um, just because <clears throat> he's going to do a way better job of explaining yeah, it's it. It's his story mainly. So essentially, what happened to boil it down? JJ, which is Pimp Muckle, aka one of the three observers, and Cap started getting flu-like symptoms. And so, just to give you an idea of what we went through every day, uh, we'd wake up. Come man, my throat. <clears throat> Apologies. Um, we'd wake Topical. up every day and we'd get rapid tested, right? So we get there originally. Yeah. We get you know the big PCR where we have to wait like twelve hours to get the results. 
They're much more accurate. And then every day we take a quick rapid test, which takes like two minutes. Uh, and then we get like a certificate, we hand it in. And if we hand it in, we're allowed to go work for the day, essentially. So yep. Cap uh, cast the first day of main, of main stage, actually, the best of ones. And he was feeling kind of iffy then, but not like super bad. Like I think he was saying he was just more tired than anything. And then the yeah. next day he woke up with like a horrible headache and he had flu-like symptoms. So did JJ. <clears throat> and they both got tested and they were both negative. But he felt bad enough that he didn't want to, like even if it was the flu, he didn't want to pass it on to anybody. So he kind of chilled in his room. And it just progressively got worse. And keep in mind, everybody was required to be vaccinated. <clears throat> so he, again, I'm not going to go through all the details, but he just had a really bad fever, uh, was about to be hospitalized, but chose against it because... We're in Romania. Um, so <clears throat> essentially that meant that everybody that was in close proximity to either of them had to go in for <clears throat> actual tests to see if they had COVID, which again, wouldn't necessarily show because, well, I think I skipped a step here. Uh, after a couple days, they ended up testing positive for COVID. So it wasn't right. the flu. Um, so that's when things kind of shut down to a degree, like half the talent had to go back to the hotel to get actual PCR test, the regular one, which takes a while. And it was pretty, I can't imagine what it was like for Cap and JJ, but for us, still stressful to know that you literally could have COVID right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think my <clears throat> casting kind of suffered a bit as a result. Uh, it was just on the mind, I guess. But <clears throat> But yeah, that's why everybody had to wear masks the rest of the event. Luckily, nobody else ended up getting COVID. Uh, Fogged was out for a couple days because he had some symptoms, but he gets sick every event. <laughs> so luckily for him, it ended up Poor not being fog. COVID. Yeah, it was just uh, yeah. like a cold or something like that. Um, but yeah, JJ so about and, the whole COVID thing. Yeah, yeah go ahead. I was just going to finish. JJ and Cap are still in Romania because once you get COVID, you have to be there for like two weeks. Yeah, you need to quarantine. So fucking blows ass for them. So not sure if they watch this, but stay strong, gentlemen. I know that Cap is yeah. doing a lot better now, thankfully. Yeah. So uh, just just to clarify this in case there's any confusion, and I think this is important because I feel like this narrative gets spread all the time about COVID and it's just wrong. Like vaccination is not immunity. You're not, if you get vaccinated against COVID, you can still get COVID and you can still have it without getting strong symptoms and you can still pass it on. So vaccination is not like a free pass to just act like a like you're Superman, you know? And that is not what Cap nor JJ did. So I'm not blaming them in any way or shape or form. The whole point here that I'm trying to make is um, even, even if you get vaccinated, you can get sick. I, I think Cap honestly got pretty unlucky here with the sickness. I think his symptoms and the way it was described is if you're fully vaccinated, this is probably un unless you have like some sort of underlying health issue this is probably about as bad as it's gonna get yeah because um, for from what i understand most people that get covid uh, when they're fully vaccinated the symptoms are a lot weaker i think jj is probably more of the norm he got some fever he felt bad and the next day he started feeling better again mm -hmm. and for cap it was like kind of like a full-blown flu it sounded like he, he he was hit way harder than jj that's for yeah. sure um, and you can't, it's not like, oh, did one guy get the one vaccine and the other guy got the other vaccine? It's not how it works. Like you just have bodies are different. You have different immune systems and there's an element of luck, um, about how you react to the whole, to the whole virus. So uh, unfortunately for cap, that was rough. And, 
extra unfortunate. Like Cap basically got about as unlucky as you can possibly get. He got COVID during his the biggest event of the year that he had been looking forward to, where he performs the best. He has his birthday during the whole shit. So mm-hmm. he also celebrates his birthday with COVID alone in his room. And we don't get to celebrate with him because we can't. And then he's sick for so long and doesn't get to work at all afterwards. And then is stuck in Romania uh, and can't go home when all the other talent goes home. Like, yeah. it's just, it's just really fucking sad. You know, like I really, I really feel for the guy. Like what, but what can you do? You know, it's, I guess, I don't know if you want to take any silver lining from this is that, I don't think he feels guilty in any way. That would be the worst, right? If you feel like I was irresponsible, I brought this upon myself yeah. and I ruined this opportunity for myself. If you at the very least can just chalk it up to bad luck, that probably is a little yeah, bit of and a I know, right? I know JJ... He didn't fuck anything up himself, go out partying or something. So it was right. just, you know. Well, yeah, JJ, just... I, like based on the conversations we've had, he's felt very, uh, he felt very, very guilty, sad yeah. and guilty himself, even though he didn't really do anything wrong because... Like you said, we're not going out and partying or anything. But reality is, it wasn't technically a bubble. There were people in the hotel that were not, like, again, with only three months, I think 99%, I think they said, of the hotel was actually just Dota-related stuff, which you can't trust everybody, obviously. But from talent, based on what I saw, nobody was egregiously, uh, like, irresponsible or anything like that. No. Uh, but yeah, it, it's scary to think about. Like, if he wasn't like based on how he took it, like how it hit him, if he wasn't vaccinated, I can't even imagine how fucking bad that would have been. Uh, yeah, so thankfully he was. Real, um, um, as as a final note for me on this, uh, when you talked about how people were sent back when the COVID case was confirmed, uh, something Valve did this event, which I think was really good and very responsible. They gave us all a tracker in our lanyards that we had to carry to the event. And basically what that tracker did was it, uh, it placed us relatively in proximity to other people that also had a tracker. And then it kept track of how much time we spent together with them. And that meant that as soon as there was a positive case, they could go and look at the tracker data and see which people had been hanging around Cap the most and around JJ the most. And they immediately get quarantined. And then all of us take PCR tests as well. Um, but the reason the entire event wasn't shut down when those two cases were confirmed was that the amount of people that had enough close proximity time to them wasn't that high that we needed to flat out just stop the broadcast day. Uh, there were talents that had barely been around JJ and Cap at all, and those were the ones of us that worked that day. And then we still did a PCR, uh, but we weren't like considered critically at risk. Yeah. Uh, so that's why it went on. So from my experience and my perspective, that was a very good way of handling it, was to not shut down the day entirely, but only work the people that we're not in an immediate risk group, but still treated with the respect that everyone had to get tested again. And as soon as the day was over, we would go back to our hotel rooms and wait there for the, for the answer. But that still didn't break the show. So I think all in all, that was probably a very good way of handling that situation. And it's easy to forget that these high pressure situations, it's hard to make a good decision every time, but I think they hit it pretty well there uh, with what they did in that instance. Uh, what could have been better, though, is as soon as the negative cases were confirmed, I think um, it, it's tough, right? Because you need to strike this balance of, okay, how much of it do we play by ear and how much do we play with data? Uh, I don't think it was perfect. I think some people went to the arena and then got called back because the, the tracker data came back. Um, 
So depending on the timing of the positive case coming out, perhaps the there could have been a little bit less, uh, a little bit less traveling for some of the people that just basically end up going to the arena and then getting called back. Maybe they could have not had to go at all to the arena and just stayed back with the positive case confirmed. But um, I guess getting the tracker data and everything took a bit of time, so they were already there. Uh, but at least the right thing was to call them back. So. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Okay, so with that, let us do our SAP segment, Cinderin. So for those that haven't watched before, yes. we're, we're partnered with SAP, who's an enterprise software company that bring their expertise via analytics in esports. So we have zero points, Cinderin. You ask me a question, I ask you. We have done this for several weeks, and we have not gotten one answer correct. Is this the sixth or seventh question? I don't know, but All right. we suck. So... Basically, if you're new to our podcast and you haven't heard it before, we do this bit where uh, we have we have access to SAP's an analytical tool for Dota, and we try to find interesting facts or stats. All of Sun's fans are about agonyms because he's boring. All of mine are about something he never guesses. And we generally give each other four options, and we miss every time. Um, so yeah, I think both Trivia zero out time. of six or something. <laughs> We're really bad. Um, yeah, it's basically trivia time on the podcast, yeah. All right, am I going first or are you going first? I'll go first, Cinderin. <clears throat> okay. All this right. is a I'm TI-10 related question. Oh, so is mine. Cool. That is AGS related as well. Oh, um, what a shocker. At TI-10, what AGS purchased had the highest win percentage for those that were picked up 10 times or more? Okay. So a hero okay. had to buy them 10 times or more. What had the highest yeah. win rate? Yes. A, Tidehunter. B, Ember Spirit. C, Elder Titan. Or D, Tinker. God, these are all so good. Tinker wasn't picked 10 times, though, I think. So I'm going to rule him out. Maybe yeah. he was. Oh, man, was he? I was... Okay, I'm going to rule out Tinker. So you said Tide... Tide, Ember, Elder Ember, Titan. Tide, Ember, E.T. Uh, this is going to be mine, Shannon. I'm going to get one right this time. <clears throat> okay. It's probably 100% win rate, actually. Um, I'll say no. There's no 100% win rate. Okay. Elder Titan. Incorrect. <clears throat> the correct answer was Tidehunter. Fuck, that was my other guess. Who picked it up 16 times with a 75% win rate. Tinker was Only close. 75 Tinker was only purchased nine times, so I one I told off, you it wasn't 10. And it was 89% win rate, so pretty crazy. Damn, so actually it would have been him if you got one more game, even That's if you right. lost. That's right. Realized. Okay. All right. Still got zero. Okay. So this is, this is TI-10 related because I picked a player from the winning team. And I was thinking, okay, we have zero points each. So now, <clears> instead <throat> of giving you one where you feel like you have an idea... I'll give you one where you're literally clueless, so you have 25% chance okay. of being right here. That, that okay? sounds fine. You ready? Yeah. yeah. Which one of the following does Miposhka, the captain of Spirit, hold the record for? Is it okay. A, number of sentries placed in a game? Is it B, number of buybacks used in a game? Is it C, lifetime buybacks? Or is it D, observer wards placed in a single game? <clears throat> Wait, what do you mean lifetime buybacks? How many buybacks he's done over his competitive career? Oh, so not just TI. Yeah. Okay. So uh, sentries placed in a game, buybacks used in a single game, buybacks used forever, 
or observers uh, you know, placed. I don't even one. need. I'm just literally guessing. So I'm gonna say whatever the third one was. C. That was buyback's lifetime. Yeah. Incorrect. <laughs> the correct answer was sentries placed in a game. Great. Do you know where that game was played? No. It was played at TI, but not this year. Oh. The marathon game between was it was it Empire and IG Vitality? Hang on, let me just find this. Cinderin. It hurts enough to know that I did not get it right. I thought this was going to be my week, honestly. All right, we're not going to look it up. Uh, anyway, he was first in sentries placed in that game, record. Second in observers placed, which was also in that game. So I'm assuming the number one was the player in the other team in that game. Okay. I think lifetime buybacks, he's seventh, if I remember correctly. And buybacks used in a single game, he was fifth. I believe. Excellent. So okay, let's of, move on. <laughs> unlucky, Shannon. Yeah, very unlucky. Let's unlucky. move on to the community question of the week. This one is from Scott Fong, who asks... Which hero had the highest ban rate in pro Dota games or just at TIs? So, just at TI, it is Io, which is not a big surprise, with a 46.54% ban rate, which is very high. But if you're looking at all matches since 7.07, .07, uh, not just TI, that is, all tournament games, it is Timbersaw with 27.11%. So that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, if you guys are interested in us shouting you out with a you know answered question and whatnot, just in the comments of the YouTube video, make sure to type your question with the hashtag of SAP Esports. Uh, and if you click say, on the link in this... is his real last name, that's gotta be that's gotta be a lady killer name, last name. That's true. That's true. Scott Thong. Scott Thong. Uh, or it could be a joke, I guess. But either way, it's great. Oh, no. Uh, if you, you can check out the link in the description for SAP's website. Uh, that does help us if you click it, so we appreciate that. Okay. Let's move on, Cinderin, to reception. Our casting experience and the reception from the community. I, I made this its own topic because it is kind of fucking ridiculous. <laughs> it... So let me take it from my perspective first, and then you can go. Yeah. And I don't want to sound like a narcissist, but you know me. You know I'm not, mm -hmm. Cinderin. Only you know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much every event that I cast at, or even panel, if it's a big event, I will get at least one shout-out thread, okay? Now, historically speaking, this has not led to a lot of invites to tournaments, which <laughs> is another topic entirely. Uh, but I've actually kind of, and I think the reason that I get these sh shout out threads is because my style is just different, right? Right. Which, you know, has been polarizing in the past, maybe not so much now. But with you, and this year particularly, it has been, you know, the upswing has been there for sure. Obviously, helping me get invited to TI. Thanks for the carry. You're welcome. Uh, but at this tournament, I have never, I don't know if you have, I have never experienced anything like this where literally every single day there's like two prominent threads basically on average it feels like it was crazy talk to me about your your reaction to this i mean i'm just you know we've we've been talking about this how sometimes our like the way we cast uh can be a bit polarizing i think still even though it, like you said it's probably less polarizing than it was some years ago um 
and it and it's just it is different it's more it's a little bit more casual it's a little more jokey more like uh you know just a conversation a lot of the time where we're just having fun um which i personally really enjoy and i have a lot of fun casting like that where it's not like i'm not saying other casts are cast by a script because they don't they have different ways of casting um but we don't have like a, a clear divide with play-by-play -play expert for example or you know we're just we're just talking um and having fun and some of the times we go off on total tangents such as now um and talk about something else and we did the trivia time which honestly i thought was kind of funny but a lot of people fucking loved that i, I didn't think people were gonna like it that much but probably the so stupidest many fucking saying, idea you've ever <laughs> do trivia do trivia they don't even hear the game <laughs> uh, so that was pretty funny um but yeah basically the way i look at it is i think we could play it quote unquote safer in casting and then more people would like it but less people would love it that's how i see it mm -hmm. and i think a lot of the people that love what we did uh really wanted to celebrate that and come out and and shout us out which you know i'm super thankful that so many people love it and seeing that kind of feedback matters because it gives us uh like it's a way for us to read the room, basically. It's not always easy to tell uh, how much fans enjoy something you do, but if the vast majority of feedback on something like Reddit or on social media in general, like Twitter, uh, if you get tons of good feedback there and very little negative feedback, it's probably an indication that for the most part, you're doing something that the audience likes. Um, so it kind of gave, at least for me, it gave me confidence that what we were doing is something people like. So That's that, why you kept asking awesome more trivia, huh? Because we were already having fun. Not really. I didn't like specifically like... It, it's not like I get positive feedback and then I like target it in that sense. It's more like, okay, what I'm doing is fun. So, and people like it. So I'll keep doing that. Yeah, uh, we, we had a lot of feedback and we've had this before, but the idea of it sounds like we're just hanging... Like from the viewer perspective, we're all just hanging out in a room together, joking around. And the reason it's like that is because that's literally what it is. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's literally just Cinder and me who are good friends and we're just talking like it doesn't yep. need to be like i know i'm self-deprecating i i fully believe what i'm about to say but i i am definitely the worst play-by-play -play, like in terms of team fights of anybody that was at that tournament but people still really enjoyed the casting and that makes me feel really good because i can always improve on the fucking play-by-play -play aspect it's just like a mechanical thing you just but you can't become that. a different person and become funny that's well you you've tried, Cinderin. You've tried your best. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's it's been a long grind. It was you know, for nothing. I know that I don't know what Valve's reception is. Like, I got some negative feedback for some stuff I did because it was a little negative in nature. Uh, right. But I think at the the heart of it, uh, it like, what's the right way to put this? It it comes from a good place. You know, it's yeah. We're just trying to have fun. Sometimes it can go overboard, sure, but it's not like I'm saying the N-word or anything. <laughs> it's not like I'm doing anything no. egregious. So, uh, yeah, definitely had a lot of fun, and we appreciate That would have uh, been a good way to counteract the positive shout-out threads, though. <laughs> if you would have just dropped that, you would have probably got a negative one. So if you want balance, that yeah, would be a way. That's true. It was Okay, if I, I can just end on this. I, I was towards the end of the tournament. Like, I'm waking up every day to these fucking threads, and I'm like, oh, because... You have to understand, I've been in the scene a long time, and for me, I've been a very, again, I'm saying me, and I know it's me and Cinder, but for me specifically, I'm, I've been the one that's polarizing, been polarizing in the past. So I'm just waiting for the reverse circle jerk, as I call it, from Reddit. And it kind of happened towards the end a little bit, because people right. started 
making threads. Oh, Cinderin and Sons fans should be casting grand finals. And you know how I feel about that, Cinderin. Uh, I mean, I've cast some grand finals before, and nobody's really complained, mm-hmm. like ESLs, uh, both of them. And I thought it went well overall. And I was legit nervous and anxious because our schedules for casting would not be given to us until probably like a couple of hours before I went to sleep. So we wouldn't really have much time to prepare. So everybody's waiting for the schedule for the final day. I don't even know if we're casting on the final day to begin with. And part of me is like, with all these threads, I I hope that they don't give us grand finals because I don't want to do it. And then I started thinking, you know, if they give us grand finals, maybe... Because I my answer, again, I'm not saying that they would have asked us to do it, but this is just a thought process. I'm trying to be transparent here. But if they're like, all right, you and Cinder are doing grand finals and there was no wiggle room, it's like, you're doing the whole thing, I would have just said no. I just don't feel comfortable doing that. But started thinking of new scenarios, like, okay, if they want us, you know, maybe they'll be an open mind, and if they want us to do grand finals, they'll be like, we can do game one and two, and then OD or whoever else can do the rest of the games. I would have been perfectly fine with that. But it, I just didn't feel right doing that. But luckily, I didn't have to worry about that because they gave us lower bracket finals, which was a lot of fun. And then they kind of did the back-and-forth casting thing with, I'm really happy for Trent and Lyrical, two of the most wholesome guys in the scene. They got to yeah. do the finals with, obviously, OD and Insania since Fogged was uh, still kind of under the weather. Um, but yeah, I think it worked out for everybody, uh, other yeah, than Cap people, and JJ, which sucked ass for them, obviously. Some people were wondering about Fogged in the grand finals because he was on panel, and basically Fogged was still... Like you said, he was feeling under the weather, so he wasn't sure that casting... Because casting is a lot more intensive and a lot more talking than being on a panel or two. Yeah. So he wasn't sure if he was going, if his voice was going to hold up with how he was feeling. So he just felt like, you know, the grand final deserves uh, full focus on someone who's truly healthy. So, uh, so he chose to pass it on, which I think is very admirable and deserves respect, right? Because you can understand that he could put his own personal gains ahead of that. Um, but he just, he just felt like it wasn't the right thing to do. Um, and it was cool. And people loved Insania's casting. I think he did a great job, even though he's, you know, relatively inexperienced. He did a lot of casting back in Han, I think, but that's many years ago. Mm. Um, but yeah, he's he's just he's good at talking. He knows the game. He's good at communicating. So And I he's learned he's pick. fucking Iranian. Yeah. There's another yeah. Iranian with me and Karoki now. So that's cool. I had no clue before this event. Yeah. Am I an idiot? Did everybody know this? Yes, you're an idiot. How is but that possible? Not necessarily for that reason. Okay. Um, well, Anyway, to yeah. wrap that segment up, uh, we appreciate you re- your support. Yes. Do you remember the thread I showed you? Because like we had all of these positive shout-out threads, right? Oh, and yeah. we're not showing those to each other. And then there's this one that's like a parody, and I thought it was hysterical, so I showed <laughs> it to Shannon. He didn't think it was as funny as I did. Yeah. But <laughs> this thread, and it was like, it was basically an overly positive thread, so it was clearly really fucking sarcastic and that's kind of the thing you were talking about with the negative circle jerk is going to come out at some point yeah but instead of this being you guys like sounds like is so underrated can they please just cast the fucking game and take it seriously instead of having fun on main stage or whatever it was literally just overly lathering it on with positivity it was just i thought that was hilarious i like that um you like the twitch honestly that was kind of the biggest as far as upvotes went or attention that it got that was the most attention that a negative post actually got and i wonder how many people thought it was genuine and upvoted it for that that they were like oh this guy loves them i love them too <laughs> i was just clearly real fucking sarcastic but 
So that was fun. Anyway, yeah, it, it was awesome. Honestly, uh, the amount of positivity and just encouragement that we got was was really great. Um, and something that I really liked about the positive feedback we got this year, this is something the community, I'll just say it, this is something the community is fucking bad at, is complimenting people without putting others down. Mm. And a lot of the time when talent announcements are made, it's like, oh yeah, they got these guys, thank God Y or X or Z isn't there. It's like, can you just be happy for the people that got there without slathering or like putting people down that didn't get invited or chose not to go for whatever reason? Is that the word? Slandering. Slandering. Sorry. Slathering. Slather it up. Yeah. So like, I I was really happy to see that all of the positive feedback we got, or at least for the most part, was literally just people celebrating and being like, hey, you guys are fucking funny. Keep up the good work. Not, hey, you guys are awesome. I hate it when this other caster is on (laughs) instead of you. Trust me, it sounds so stupid. There are so many lot. of those comments on yeah. tournaments. Like, and just understand and appreciate that people have different tastes and that different things are good in different ways and in, in different amounts, right? So yeah. um, I, I, was, I was happy with that. And I, I know for a fact that at this event, for example, and this is something that I, I feel really sorry for, for someone like Moxie who just gets, who gets a lot of shit and doesn't deserve it. Uh, I think she's really good at what she does, um, but it doesn't, it isn't something that everybody enjoys and that's okay. It's okay that you don't like all the casters, but you don't have to let them know that you hate them, right? Uh, right. You can celebrate the ones that you like without putting the others down. And that's something that Moxie really had to struggle with. So that fucking sucks. And I wish people a, was, were better at that. that. That is a silver lining of the cap COVID situation that Moxie and Gareth got to cast main stage. So that... I, yeah, I'm of the opinion that if you're invited for the tournament, you should be casting at least a little bit of every stage of the tournament. Like I, I don't fully agree with that, but that's obviously mm-hmm. not my call. Uh, but yeah, to wrap up this uh, this topic, we appreciate your support. It's really cool to see people that really identify a little bit more with our style. Um, I know that it's not for everybody. I, I, you know, I look to traditional sports with everything I do. I. If you guys know anything about NBA on TNT with uh, Charles Barkley and Shaq, that's basically the vibe that I try to go for. And that's been the case forever. And at the same time, there's commentators in traditional sports. I'm sure Sindarin knows all about this because he's a robot and doesn't watch any sports at all other than Dota. But, you know, people, some people prefer the analytical style. Some people prefer just the, the actual hype. And there's, yep. you know... I can go for some of that as well, but like from the NBA perspective, which is where I get all my inspiration from, there's a few people that are very popular as commentators that I just can't stand because all they do is say what's on the screen. And I, mm-hmm. I prefer the conversational style. That's always how it's been. And like I said, it's po- been polarizing in the past and it doesn't feel like it's that way anymore, which is awesome. And we were talking about what's changed and I don't know. <laughs> Part of it is time away and... I actually don't know. There, I don't think there's one thing that has changed all of this, but it's probably just a lot of small little things over time. So, okay. So, yeah. next on the list, and there we're going to combine these topics. This is a the long same. episode. Yes. But it deserves it. Dragon's Blood Season 2 has been announced, and I actually forgot to see what the release date was. Do you know about it? <laughs> I don't know if it's said. I th- did it not okay maybe it didn't say um either way it's the trailer is out if you haven't seen it it says january beginning Thank you, Chad. january 2022 okay okay so january very nice uh i think the only character that wasn't in the show previously that they showed in the trailer was lena 
Good old Lena. And then some sort of villain, which I don't recognize. Uh, mm-hmm. Some old looking guy. I don't know if that's some character. I don't. I have no idea. But looks good. Aren't but... we coming full circle? Isn't Lena originally from an anime? Lena Inverse? Or a manga? Where Where's Lena Inverse from? I don't know. Something. Main protagonist of the comic fantasy-themed light novel manga and anime series called Slayers. So yeah. So the character that Lena in Dota was based on is from an anime, and now she's going back to anime. So we've gone full circle now. Right. She so, looks very different in Slayers. Actually, a really cool character. All right. Yeah, right. the villain, I the first thing I thought of was it might be Terrorblade, like doing that thing where he takes over somebody, but uh, yeah, I feel like they would have... It felt more like a main character to me, but that's just the trailer. Who knows? But anyway, part of that announcement, Cinderin, is the new hero coming out this fall, and it's... Fall's about to end. Everyone's favorite character from the anime, Marcy. What are your thoughts on this final topic? Okay, so a couple of things. First of all... Uh, a lot of people have been asking for a new release to finally be a true carry. I think this could be it. Mm. Based on the abilities that she uses in the show, uh, she could both be agility and strength or something that does both in a way, like synergizes with both, similar to Morphling, but where she can maybe scale with both attributes, which would be kind of cool, right? Um, You could have abilities that scale with strength and abilities that scale with agility on the same hero or scale with both things. I would love to see that concept. Um, Okay interesting that's one thing i'm thinking that's just from the technical standpoint then from from a fan standpoint i really like the character in the show so i think she's going to be a fan favorite um a lot of people really loved it like you said and a challenge that i wonder what they're going to do about so i I see two two possible outcomes here uh for those guys those of you guys who haven't watched the show this isn't really a spoiler okay marcy is mute she hasn't said a word the entire show she can whistle and uh sound hurt when she gets hurt um and your favorite thing in dota are voice lines i i guess um anyway i always loved what i loved in dota is the voice acting in general which is Mm. outstanding um i wonder what they're going to do for marcy because every hero in dota when you play has like uh audio feedback when you attack something when you move when you kill when you die when you take damage what are they going to do for marcy is she just going to whistle at everything um is she going to have a voice and something happens now in anime season in the season two of the anime where she gets her voice back or gets it somehow i hope she doesn't get her voice back. i think that's Um, part of the charm honestly i think that's the cool it is it is part of the charm um but yeah you're right i'm just i'm just wondering how that will fit in that's honestly my biggest question mark is what they do for the voice acting so i'm really excited to see what they come up with uh, for implementing that because like let's just imagine she's mute and says literally nothing that will feel so out of place i don't think you can do that you can't have a hero with no audio so there has to be something and i don't think it should only be taking damage sounds or low hp sounds or attacking sounds it should also be something when you're People are typing internal monologue of thoughts. That's an interesting. True. They could do that. It could be like a. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Okay. We'll see what they do. Yeah, that that is is definitely a a bit of a hurdle or like an issue, I guess you could say, for the game itself. What has she done in the anime? Can you remember? Like some sort of just technical moves. 
I mean, everything is just like raw strength. It feels like she she has. She's uh, super strong. Yeah, she's super strong. She's obviously a melee. I mean, it'd be so funny if she's a ranged. Yeah, that would make sense. So she's that gonna be melee. I yeah. think that she's gonna be agility. Yeah. Even though she feels more like a strength hero in that trailer, but Dawnbreaker just came out. That's a strength hero. I think it's going to be agility. It's been a long agility time. Agility is also the most underrepresented stat we have. Yeah. Um, there's less edgy heroes than the other two. Um, she does some things in the in the show, right? She has this thing where she goes invisible and teleports, right? She has like a blink kind of thing going on uh, and some sort of hyper speed as well, right? Or am I mixing things up here? Isn't that Marcy that does that? Yeah, she she does like a no wait no 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 I'm mixing she's like it up a wrap with, around uh, Fimran. The no 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 that's Fimran does the Fimran does illusions right yeah Fimran was the illusion one Fimran is the illusion one but I think Marcy does a teleport of some kind I don't know if it's a teleport uh, but she moves quick in the trailer really she moves, fast like really fast yeah. in like a one so that would fit but... with agility she's very agile so. yeah oh it's exciting so yeah we'll see uh, I wonder if they're gonna break tradition because the last seven heroes or so have had an ability that does something based off of either your base strength or uh, not base strength, but base damage or proccing items. Think of the last like right. six or seven heroes. They all have a similar ability. If you boil it down to like the most basic form, like swashbuckle, boundless strike, um, Mars rebuke. What are the new heroes? I mean, void spirit is a bit of a stretch, I guess. Astral with the step. Um, what, Dawnbreaker what, luminosity. Yeah, Luminosity, Hoodwinks, uh, Acorn Shot, like all of these That's abilities, true. like from That's true. just a very basic form are actually the same. And the last hero that hasn't had that, to my estimation, is Grimstroke. So yeah, I think you're right. It's which has one. That was a TI years, years ago. I think it was 2017, right, that Grim came out? Maybe. It feels like such an eternity. I, I think he got announced that the year that TI was won by Liquid, and he dropped randomly just during the tournament. And then Mars came later. Was that how it was? I don't remember. I just remember the trailer being epic. Oh, 2018, so, Trent says. I, I will okay, finish right the Marcy topic with... I am, I, I'm really happy to see Marcy because she's going to be a cool character. I, I definitely like that aspect. One thing I'm a little sad about, and it's not because of Marcy, but it's because she's probably going to be the only hero now. We're not getting like a dark-themed character. Yeah. Everything that's been coming out lately is very like anime or very mobile game. Like fucking Dawnbreaker is a mobile hero. She looks like yeah. a mobile hero. I, I want feel something like we're a bit dark due for a gritty. monster. Yeah. I right. agree. What's the last what monster we got? If you don't count Grim. I mean Grim I consider a dark character, so I would Right. He's dark, but like literal animal character, right? Like or know. not literal animal. That's also the wrong way of saying it. Um, like a beast of some kind. Yes, a beast hero, basically. Underlord. It's been a while. Are, Underlord is probably accurate. Yeah, he's a beast. I think that's fair. That's it's the a last long one, really. Time. That's that like is TI really long. Six ago. or something. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, maybe. And he's not even an original design, right? He was in Dota One, so. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, I'm still excited about Marcy. Uh, this fall, what does that mean? Technically, fall doesn't end in the U.S. until December 21st, Cinderin. So we actually really? have like two months to go. Yeah. Wait, when is winter officially in Denmark? Yeah, let me look this up again. I'm basing this off of information that somebody gave to me. Let's see. Winter begins America. We're basing everything off America. Yep. December 21st. 
So knowing Valve, it'll be December 20th on a Monday when she is released. Astronomically, winter is defined from December 21st or 22nd until March 20th to 21st. Yeah. That's the astronomical winter. But I think in Denmark, most people consider winter December to February. Honestly. Yep, I agree. But we know that it's going to be the later portion of whatever. Valve is going to use the definition that suits them the best. So exactly. enjoy your Marcy at December 22nd at 2359. Very good. That is 1159 p.m. for those of you who are. Very good. Thank you so much. Very All right. Good. Yes. That brings us to the end of one of our longer episodes in a while, but it was packed full of a lot of stuff that we had to get through Cinderin. Yep. Um, thanks to all the new people that are joining us. Uh, not sh- I saw a lot of people advertising the podcast on Reddit, <laughs> which is very cool to see. We we do appreciate it. Uh, and again, thank you to our sponsors, Manscaped and SAP. Check out the links in the description uh, for all that good stuff. So yeah, we'll be here every Tuesday, same time, same place. Until next time, Suns fan Cinderin signing out. Goodbye. Bye. We say things that don't mean anything. But thanks for listening. Yeah.